This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome to The Gabby Ree Show, where everything is an experiment. Most people go in to see the dermatologist and they've got 10 minutes to spend with their doctor and they're going to give be given some sort of topical or they're given an antibiotic or for women, a lot of times they're put on birth control pills and not really looking at what's underneath that. What is causing the skin to have these issues in the first place? Because again, you can go on these medications, but they're only meant to be used temporarily. Then you go off them, then you're dealing with whatever was underlying that wasn't addressed, plus all the side effects from that medication. Acne, the things on your skin, symptoms are a sign that the body's out of balance. They're not just something annoying that we need to get rid of right now by taking an Advil or a birth control pill or, you know, antibiotic. They're actually signs that the body's out of balance. There's so much power in these daily choices that we make. The foods that we eat will nourish our bodies, providing us with the nutrients we need to support our hormones, to support our gut health, the microbiome, to support our brain health. The the movement, moving our body, you know how important exercise, it helps you feel better mentally, emotionally, and physically. So moving your body in the way that's comfortable and appropriate for you. And they really do make a difference. So I don't want people to just feel like, oh, I just have to find a doctor and that will do all these tests and and, and put me on this plan. There's so much that you can do in these different areas to get started and reducing toxins in your environment and just start shifting over to some of the cleaner things, cleaning products or skincare products. Just making these little steps actually makes a huge difference. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Dr. Trevor Cates. She has a new book out called Natural Beauty Reset. She's also done other books, Clean Skin from Within. And what you realize in all these conversations is I might have something going on in my microbiome. And for me, it might show up in my skin. For someone else, it might be, you know, literally gut issues. They don't feel good. Elimination. Some people could be their sleep, their weight. 
And the longer I do these shows and the more conversations you have is you realize that if we can sort of get certain things organized, our lifestyle, you know, reasonably and our sleep and stress management, a lot of these other things can be avoided because we live in a world that our soil's depleted. The air is probably not ideal. The water, you know, it hasn't been vortated. There's just all going, you know, so many things going on that we can't really control. So how do we bring it back in and go, hey, can I do some of these basic things to fortify myself? We talk about, you know, your gut and hormones. What are some of the the things we can test to get a real snapshot of what's going on in our bodies, especially if we're feeling, you know, less than ideal. We talk about mood and female cycles, skin health, energy levels, weight, weight management, weight loss, sleep, sex. And then we sort of, you know, visit through like, hey, if you have a kid who's going through puberty and some of these things are showing up, how can we help them go through that a little more smoothly? Because that is a very, you know, intense Puberty is an intense hormonal time. After childbirth, what are some things that we might be missing that could help us? And of course, mid-age, everybody always wants to talk about weight gain, weight management, and how to lose it. And, and just, I don't want to say offload the toxic, you know, sort of some of these toxins, but is there a way to fortify and also, you know, get the gut clear and just help us kind of figure out what's going on and some of the hormone basics, just the signs, the cause and how to stabilize those. So I just want to encourage you that sometimes when we don't feel good, it's, it is discouraging and um, we think it's hopeless. And, and I just want to say, if we can, you know, keep asking questions, keep trying new things, not bounce around like a ping pong ball, but just ask some of the right questions. I really believe we can participate in improving and supporting our health. And Dr. Trevor Gates is a great example of this. This whole thing started for her as a naturopathic doctor because of her own you know, skin uh, issues and imbalances in her own hormones. So she is also a living representation and understands that. I hope you enjoy. Dr. Cates, thank you for coming all this way. I know that you're on a kind of a family trip and we had the good fortune of getting you to stop by here. And you have a new book out that is The Natural Beauty Reset. And I thought I really wanted to take this time because people are always, as you know, so interested in hormones. It's such a complex system and it impacts us. I feel like between that and our microbiome, that's who it almost feels like that's who we are. Yeah, our hormones identify us. They make us who we are in so many more ways than people realize. And they impact our bodies in all different aspects. I think a lot of times when people hear hormones, they think sex hormones. You know, they're thinking estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. And so women are thinking about estrogen and men are thinking about testosterone. But we all have both. Well, I mean, we have all of those hormones. And do the guys have, know that? Do they know? They know. know. They should know that they have estrogen. <laughs> <laughs> they just have less. And women have testosterone. We just have less than yeah. men. So, but there are adrenal hormones, thyroid hormones. There are the hormones that help us sleep, like melatonin. There are hormones that help us with our appetite leptin and ghrelin. So there are so many hormones in, in insulin that helps with our blood sugar. So they really impact everything. I think it's it's an interesting thing because we do, we focus on sort of like you say, these sex hormones or instead of trying to figure out, you know, how the symphony, all, all the instruments play harmoniously in the, in the symphony. 
And first of all, maybe just share why are you, why did you take this on? How did you arrive at uh, this being your field of expertise? Yeah, absolutely. I, I've been a naturopathic physician for 22 years, and it is the thing that comes up over and over again for both men and women. I tend to see a lot more women in my practice, and sometimes then they'll bring their husbands in or their kids or they're even their, their parents or everything um, in the family. But it was the biggest question that I kept getting asked after my last book, Clean Skin from Within. And so I realized there's there's a lot of confusion around hormones, and I wanted to make it easier for people to understand in this book. And then also understanding ways to help our bodies restore harmony to help us balance our hormones. Because I think a lot of times women think the only way to balance hormones is with hormones. And men think that too, like, oh, as I get older, I just need testosterone. So it's not that. You don't just use hormones to balance hormones or to support your hormones. There's so many things with our lifestyle. And then if we, you know, going as we get older and if we need bioidentical hormones, we need to go that route, we could talk to our doctors about it. But building that foundation for health is so important. Do you think, let's, maybe we can just start sort of like for a younger person and sort of take a journey. So let's say people going through puberty, this is a very expansive and confusing and difficult time. I mean, they, things are changing at a, such an intense rate and, you know, living with having gone through it. And then obviously when you live with someone like that to watch it, let's just talk about teenagers maybe sort of you could explain what is exactly going on with them. And then maybe we could break down some of the subsets of what they deal with. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is important to talk about these major transitions in our lives. And the first one being puberty. When we're talking about hormones, puberty is that first big transition that we go through. And then of course, there are other transitions for women in particular, then there's fertility and pregnancy and postpartum and then perimenopause, menopause, and men go through andropause too. So we'll, we, you know, we could talk about those things. But the thing is, is that when we build that healthy foundation, those transition times tend to be smoother. We can go through those things in a smoother way. And I think it's important. I'm glad you're asking about puberty because a lot of information we can gain from how we went through puberty. So if we sailed right through it, didn't have any problems, and we stay on a healthy path, there's a good chance when we go through later in life, it's just going to be easy. But if we had a hard time in puberty or we're not making the right decisions along the way, we can have a rough time when we get older. And so, yeah, so puberty. Is it, is it, when you, when you look at that, is it genetic equals lifestyle? Is it really sometimes just luck of the genetic draw for some of the stuff being easier or more challenging? Genetics plays a huge role. Mm. It definitely does. I'm not going to deny that. Yeah. But we can change our genetic expression with our lifestyle choices. So for those of us that, that have these genetic predispositions, we just have to work a little bit harder with certain lifestyle choices. But that doesn't mean that just because our parents had something or we have the genes for something that it's going to be hard. Just because our parents went through a really difficult aging process or died for a particular reason doesn't mean that that's our path. Right. So it, it's, it is a wake-up call, though. And so if you start to have some of these symptoms, like, okay, I might have the genetics for it. You can do genetic testing, but you can also just pay attention to what's going on with your body and then support it through these transitional times. 
So with boys, let's, I don't want to say it's easier, but let's look at what they experience. Usually it's probably tired. Doesn't your circadian rhythm kind of flip and flop to you naturally stay up later when you're a teenager and sort of want to sleep in? Isn't there sort of really natural things happening in there? Because I think as parents, people stress out like, oh my God, they stay up so late and they're, but there's something about that that's very natural. Yeah. Well, they do, they do have different circadian rhythms, you know, and I think too, it also depends on the seasons because, and that's why I talk about seasons in my book. I think a lot of times people don't think about the impact of where the sun is, how far away it is, how length, the length of the day, and even the moon. If it's a full moon, that can make it more challenging to sleep. So we've got all these different factors in there. And then you've got, uh, major growth happening in these teenage years. And so they've got growth hormone that causes that they need to sleep longer amounts of time. So when you have your teenager that wants to sleep in, if you can let them sleep in, just let them have that sleep (laughs) because they need that growth hormone during sleep to help them grow, to help them develop. They need melatonin. They need these things to help them as they grow. And just understanding that as we get older, we typically don't need as much sleep. But as we're growing, that is an important thing. So we can let, let's say there's an opportunity, great, we can let them sleep. But a lot of people are on pretty rigorous schedules. Is there something that we can do as parents, and I'm sure this would then mean for ourselves as well. Let's say it is, it's a big moon, it's pulling the oceans and us, and you know people are restless or they have to be at school at whatever time. Are there things we can do to assist them besides nagging them to get to bed earlier and get off their device, which is an ongoing and forever conversation? Uh, is there something you know, are there anything that that you feel like to support their system if they if they have to go early? Yeah, it's a lot of the same things that we would want to do ourselves. And when we set a good example, that's sometimes the the best we can do. I have three kids, so I I know sometimes I hey, you need to go to bed at the same time. Don't eat close to bedtime. Get off your devices. It's sometimes it's hard for them to really hear us and do that. But if we're doing it, that doesn't really set a good example. So you start with your own behavior as a parent, I think, so that you can model that for your kids. If you're just opening up a book, good old fashioned book, um, instead of looking at you know your computer, you're just listening to music and, and just kind of transitioning into sleep time and planning ahead with your day so that your work is done, so that you're modeling for them, get your schoolwork done early so you're not trying to stay up late. But hey, I understand. I've got, you know, I've got yeah. kids. It's not well, always and easy. And their schedules yeah. are loaded. My one of my daughters came home from playing in a sporting competition yesterday. Then she had tutoring because Lord knows I'm not smart enough to help with the math now in high school. And then so we fed her between like I had sent food where, uh, with my husband to pick her up. So it's like she ate. But then you realize then after the tutoring is homework. So here it is, 8.30 and now. So so modeling and and let's let's go back to boys, the skin. I think what are, what are the things typically, I know there's always exceptions, besides being tired, um, that young males going through puberty, that their hormones are impacting their skin, I, I think is one of them. I mean, you have a book about, you know, clean skin from within, but what's happening there? Yeah, well, when we get these shifts in hormones, in particular androgens, and that's really for both men and women, boys and girls, um, is that 
androgen increase is one of the big things that increases sebum production in the skin and breakouts in the skin. Now, that being said, not every teenager has acne. But, and there are places in the world where there is no acne. Like where? So like Papua New Guinea, there's a place really? there where there are no diagnosed cases of acne, but they have a very different lifestyle. Yeah. They eat very differently than we do in the United States where we're eating so much sugar and processed foods. So that is one of the biggest things. And I, I think sometimes if kids can make the connection between what they're eating and seeing the breakout, then that sometimes can help. I know it's challenging with kids. It's a little bit easier working with adults when they, when they make that connection and they have that willpower to make that change. But what happens when we eat sugar or foods that cause the blood sugar to rise, that increases the hormone insulin and, and also increases androgen activity. And those two things are known to trigger acne breakouts with this increased sebum. And so we want to be careful with the sugar intake. And if we do indulge in some sugar, trying to balance it with other foods, you know, other you know, fats and fiber in particular, those will actually help with maintaining that blood sugar. Also, if it tends to be an issue, because I think a lot of doctors don't talk about this, is actually getting their blood sugar tested. And this is for adults or children. You can get fasting blood sugar. You could get hemoglobin A1C. You can get um, also insulin. You can get these things tested and see if they are having a tendency to having these this high blood sugar. Because if they have that tendency, and this is particularly important for girls that may not yet be diagnosed as something called PCOS, and that a lot of women have this, and then that, that excess androgens are causing this acne breakout, these acne breakouts. Unfortunately, a lot of these girls are put on birth control pills to manage their acne and other symptoms of their periods, even before they're sexually active. And these are the women that I see down the road because they're going off birth control pills, they want to get pregnant, they're trying to get, you know, their hormones balanced. And now they have, they never address those underlying issues from the get-go. And now they have all the side effects that came from taking birth control pills. So if a kid, let's say they eat pretty well, but they're more sensitive, um, you're saying maybe just get their blood looked at because, the, you know, I've done a lot of conversations around, you know, glucose levels and things like that. And that just the fact if you could eat your fiber first would help stabilize some of the impact maybe if you are eating something that, you know, will spike your, your glucose levels. So maybe even educating them like, hey, if you are going to go do that, because it, it, it's weird. It's like a social thing. I, I remember eating fast food when I was a teenager. And I don't know if it's if it's just that it tastes really good. And they have the freedom finally because they're, you know, away from their parents and they're all kind of doing it. But it is an interesting thing because I think that's a very difficult um, part of going through puberty is when you have to deal, if you end up getting, a, you know, acne, it's, it's tough and it's uncomfortable. And I think it makes already a hard time more challenging Absolutely. And sugar is very addictive. The food oh, yeah, industry, there's always that. <laughs> yeah, there's always that. And then the food industry knows this. So they market to teenagers, they get them hooked on things like sodas, candies, 
they get them hooked on these things early on, and that's their their path to making a lot of money. Unfortunately, yeah. what a lot of people are looking at in the food industry is how do they make more money? Not how are we going to get nutrients in our kids, and no. how are we going to keep our, our public you know the public healthy? They're like, how can we make more money? And so sugar is extremely addictive. I, I don't think that people realize how addictive sugar is. And there actually have been studies, there was a rodent study that where they were given either the option of cocaine or sugar. They were given it first and then like, which way do you want to go? And they went to the sugar. And so it, it it's extremely addictive. And so you start giving kids this and then they get that sugar rush and that tastes good and the flavors that they put in these packaged foods, it just gets kids hooked and they don't really... Teenagers, just the nature of them, they don't haven't really figured out. Their brains haven't developed to the point where they can make that connection between their be- behavior and an outcome. It's just they're not there yet. So yeah. the more we can Obviously. do to just <laughs> help them along the way and know that, hey, we all are on this path. We have to make our choices. And sometimes we, we learn by the mistakes that we make. And what about teenage girls? I mean, they then are going to be dealing with getting a menstrual cycle. And um, I know in the beginning, it's usually a little more irregular. It's like it doesn't find its pattern. If a young lady, uh, maybe you could just sort of explain what's going on in the system as far as like it's sort of finally showing up and then finding a place where it's easier to manage, like what to expect, how you're going to feel, how heavy, things like that. Yeah, and it is absolutely common, and I would even say normal for that early time for when girls first get their periods, that it's irregular and it, it may not be as, uh, you know, as regular as when we get older. But at the same time, we want to do what we can, again, to support the body. One of the things that people forget about is these group of chemicals in our environment that we're exposed to called endocrine disrupting chemicals. These group of chemicals are, we have higher levels of these in our environment than we ever have. And so our young people, teenagers, they're getting more of these. They're getting exposed to them in the mother's womb. They're actually, some of these that pass along in our genes. And so they're already coming into this world with higher level of these endocrine disrupting chemicals or and other toxic chemicals than we did. And so that, what happens with, when we're exposed to these group of chemicals, they'll bind to hormone receptors in the body and they can act like a hormone. They can change the way the hormone receptors work and it it impacts all the hormones in the body. So we're talking insulin, which regulates blood sugar. We're talking about, um, you know, all the sex hormones, especially estrogen, because that there, there are estrogen mimicking chemicals. So your body thinks that it's getting getting estrogen and has a response, it has these feedback mechanisms in the body to, you know, it makes it look like we have all this estrogen. So that is one of the big things that causes, we're seeing more of these issues in girls where they're getting their periods earlier. They're having a really horrible long, heavy periods. And then in boys, we're seeing breast development 
and young boys. Mm-hmm. And is still, that the phthalates or the or this is more of like what you're talking? That's a disruptive hormone. Yeah, phthalates are a type of endocrine disrupting chemical, yeah. but there are so many, and then and they're in our air. Water, food, personal care products are in so many different places. And girls are, you know, that's when you're wearing the most makeup and using different kinds of very trendy skincare that maybe has a ton of this stuff. Clothing as well. There's stuff that just came out about lead and some of one of the most popular clothing lines in girls. And so that it's it's made in China and it just, you know, this stuff comes over. We're getting exposed to heavy metals, pesticides, phthalates, BPA, you know, all of these. And then also the forever chemicals, the PFAS. And so they're in, they, it started off with like the Teflons and the nonstick, but now they're everywhere because these chemicals have been introduced in our environment. They don't just go away. That's why they're called forever chemicals. So they end up in our air, water, food, personal care products, our homes. And so I know it's it's scary, but I think it's important for people to know this mm-hmm. because there are ways that you can reduce your exposure. That's why we need to be so careful about drinking filtered water, eat, eating organic when you can, choosing natural toxin-free personal care products, and be, but be careful with the word natural because it actually yeah. has no regulation. I make skincare line, a line mm-hmm. uh, called The Spot Doctor, and we uh, we know that we, we say natural, but we actually mean it. It actually is free of these endocrine disrupting chemicals and other toxic chemicals. But the problem is, is that the FDA doesn't do much regulation around this. So in personal care products, for example, we use on average nine personal care products a day, and that exposes us to 126 unique ingredients. And that's according to the Environmental Working Group. And in the in the United States, the FDA has only banned eleven ingredients. In the Europe, in Europe, are going to say what about in Europe? Yeah, in Europe, they banned over a thousand. <laughs> they think we're crazy. I'm sure. <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, no, we made that illegal. We never even approved that, and we're like, we don't know yet. Right. So there's a, isn't there a site that people like to check your products? Uh, yeah, There's, Environmental Working Group has mm-hmm. a good one, uh, ewg.org, and they have a skin deep database where you can actually put in the name of a product or an ingredient if it's not in their system. And then they have a whole group of products that are verified. Our, the Spot Doctor Skincare Line, my skincare line is verified. So uh, I know the process that has to go through in order to be claimed verified. We had to do a lot of work to get that verification. So they do a good job with it, I think. And there are apps too, where you can scan the barcodes and stuff. So there are resources to make it easier for us. And both of my books have a whole list of ingredients to avoid the research behind why you want to avoid it. And then of course, natural alternatives, like instead of fragrance, fragrance is one of the big ones. So if you were going to pick one ingredient to avoid, and this is important, again, we're talking about girls, right? And even well, boys. boys, come on now, they're primp and prime more than they ever have. Well, and they're using deodorants and antiperspirants yeah. and things like that too. So fragrance is one of the most common ingredients that we see in personal care products, cleaning products, a lot of things that we use. And it's listed as one ingredient, but we know it's not one ingredient. It's a whole bunch of ingredients. And this is where a lot of endocrine disrupting chemicals are hidden. So like diethyl phthalate. 
diethyl phthalate is an ingredient that's used in fragrance to help the scent last longer. But as you know, you mentioned phthalates are endocrine disrupting chemicals, and they they've been shown to show up in diethyl phthalates have shown up in human urine samples. So we know that what we put on the skin can get absorbed and it shows up in human samples. And then there's also parabens, which are, they've been taken out of a lot of personal care products, but they're still lingering on a lot because a lot of manufacturers are fighting it saying, oh, but it, it takes so much for it to actually be an issue. But we have to remember, we've, we're a toxic soup of all these different places that we're exposed to chemicals. And we're like a, just a big science experiment happening within our bodies that has never been tested. There's no way you can test all the different chemicals that a single person's been exposed to. Right. It's just hard to do that And test. even if you could, if you're doing using it every day, it's that a small accumulation that it's like, oh, that's not going to impact your health. You know, I have to say, sometimes when I listen to this, I can be, I can listen to this objectively. And I I know. I wonder if you experience this. So from your professional point of view, you can understand all of this and be objective. But then when you go into your own home and you're dealing with your own house and your own family and your own health, it can feel overwhelming. Like there's almost a part sometimes where you want to go, yeah, forget it. Like, it's too hard. You know, that's just too much. Like we're not going to win. So maybe we could start from there. Because I think we know, and what is the the book, The Countdown, Dr. Swan, where it's like men from 1970 every year have lost a percentage of testosterone because of some of the things you're talking about. I mean, that's really how we can get their attention, right? Like you compared to somebody, a young person compared to like a 40-year-old male is typically on average sort of 30 points lower of testosterone, just given the environment. Yeah. Straight up. And like what you're saying, it's almost like without being a doomsdayer, you're they're starting to get poisoned in utero and they have a different race that they're running with a lot more obstacles than let's say someone my age. It's just the way it is. But let's say we're, we're running a house and we're busy and we are beyond stressed out and we have so many dollars to work with. And quite frankly, even if we didn't, it's a lot. What are the building blocks? And And I do actually want to talk about the idea of is there a way to kind of slowly detox someone or put a practice in place? You know, like we were reading about Shilajit, talking about being a heavy metal Laird uses it for people who don't know. It's like basically black tar with a lot of uh, bioavailable minerals, but there's some other, a lot of health benefits. But are there things realistically we could do with a teenager? And then we can obviously, if it works for them, I'm sure it works for someone older, where we go, yes, it's overwhelming. We can't, we're not going to totally fight the system, but there's things we can do. So we want them obviously to move and sleep. And, you know, if we don't have to put them on rounds of uh, antibiotics or give them, a, you know, an Advil every time they have a headache, that'd be better. But are there other things we can do to sort of support them to, to deal with the load? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And because I do know that it can be overwhelming. And I do sometimes see people shut down, like I just can't take this in. I can't even, my brain can't even wrap my head around it. So and, and, to, you know, it's funny, because I've been seeing patients for 22 years, when I first came out of naturopathic medical school, I said, like, Okay, you can't have any of these things. And you have to eat this way. And this is a lifelong journey. And you're gonna, and people were like, Whoa, I can't do this. And so I've learned over the years to make it simpler and simpler because really 
any change you make is going to make a difference. Even that's why I mentioned fragrance is even if you just take out fragrance and you look for things made with organic essential oils, which essential oils are, they don't have these side effects and issues, but they have health benefits. So mood benefits and like our, the Spot Doctor skincare products, our customers often talk about, talk about how they feel good. They feel like this uplift in their mood when they do their daily personal care routine. And so it's things like that, that we can really make a difference. So let's talk about some of those. So as, as a parent in your home, that's the place to start because you do have control over your home. You have control over the foods you eat foods you bring in your home, uh, you have control over the personal care products you bring in your home and that you put on your body. So that's where people want to start. So things like fil- getting a filter for your water, getting an air, um, a water filter, air purifier if you can too, So that, especially if you live in a, in a city where you have the windows open and you, know, you want to take in the air, but you've got all these pollutants or there's off gas, you've got new furniture in the home. So air filters, water filters, those are simple things that people can do. And then also trying to get organic mm-hmm. as much as you can. And for, for people listening to this, if you, because sometimes maybe there is an access or cost, Frozen organic would then be the next best, I think, solution. Either, well, that is a possibility. It depends on the food. Like frozen berries maintain their right. nutrients really well. Other pro- other produce don't really hold on to it as well. The next best thing is actually to go to your local, local farmer's market yeah. because it may not actually be certified organic, but ask your local farmer if what they use on their crops. Yeah. And so... Because they couldn't afford to yeah, get it. Yeah, they couldn't afford certified. to get Certified. That's my favorite. I'm sorry, you're not big enough. You're And it's too natural for us to call you organic. It's like, right. are, are you crazy? I mean, yeah. that is a real thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you don't make enough for us to even certify you and you can't afford to pay for that. Okay, yeah. so farmer's market... And yeah, then, because you, you when you eat in season and you eat locally, you're right. also getting more nutrients in the food. And when we get more nutrients in our food, that's going to help us with detoxification pathways. So the first thing is to reduce the toxins, right? Reduce your exposure in your air, your water, your food, your personal care products, trying to choose natural when possible or clean, non-toxic, go to Environmental Working Group. EWG.org also has the Dirty Dozen. Are you familiar with that? So they have a Dirty Dozen and a Clean 15. So these are the foods. They've tested the produce in the grocery stores of which ones have the most pesticide residues after they're prepared. So a lot of of people will just say, oh, you just have to peel that. It's kind of a bummer though, when you start to learn. Yeah. Right. But if you choose organic, those are the ones, when you look at the dirty dozen, those are the ones that are have the most amount of pesticide residues. So get those organic or just skip them. And then if you, and then you can look at the clean 15 and you don't have to buy those organic. Yeah. That's also a way to offset the cost and, yes. and things like that. And what about supplementation for a young person? Is there sort of anything baseline that overall is usually pretty safe for them that also kind of supports them through maybe big hormone changes? One of the biggest things that that kids don't, and really all people don't get enough is fiber. We oftentimes don't get enough fiber. And teenagers are not really eating their vegetables as much. They're not, and they're not eating as much of the whole foods and all of that. So 
a fiber supplement, actually, if you can somehow sneak that into a morning, morning smoothie or into their breakfast somehow to get a little bit of fiber. So like chia seeds or um, something along those lines is going to give them a little bit more fiber. Even if you'd get it in a pill form, a lot of kids just, they're not getting enough fiber and fiber helps us with, it helps us with our gut microbiome, which then helps us with our hormones and it helps us with our skin. It also helps us blood sugar balance, which then again, helps us with our skin and mm-hmm. helps us with our hormones. And, uh, and so those are, you know, that's one of the things I think that's missing in a lot of kids diets. Also, if you can convince them to take a multivitamin mineral supplement it's not a bad idea. If you get a really high quality one, that way you know that you're filling in those nutritional gaps they may not be getting with their food. Yeah. And I'm I'm not plugging this company, but I know that actually Ritual makes a clean uh, supplement and they make them for teenagers specifically. Um, I do know that they do a good job and you can trace um, the sources and, and things like that. So if people are looking for something that they can feel comfortable giving their teen, they actually have formulas for people under 18. Uh, what about omegas for teenage girls if they're on their with their cycles and things like that? Is is that too young or can that be helpful? Not at all. I think that's another really great one, not just for girls, but for boys too. And so those omega-3 fatty acids are anti-inflammatory. And a lot of the things that they're going through with the acne and period problems are inflammatory conditions. So anything that we can do to decrease the inflammation in their bodies is going to help them through those times. And so certainly, and a lot of them not are not going to be eating wild Alaskan salmon, getting it in their diets. Plus the amount that we would need to eat then exposes us, unfortunately, to some of the toxins in fish. So getting a fish oil supplement, an omega-3 supplement is good. And then also it helps balance out maybe the other fats that they're getting and gives them more of those anti-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory fats. So when you wrote your book, um, Clean Skin from Within, because I, I often believe, you know, people, I'm in the sun quite a bit, but I try to protect myself, but I believe it's because I eat pr- relatively healthy for my most, you know, my adult life that that has really supported my skin health. What tips do you have? Because um, I know this would apply to a young person and to someone, well, of any age, about skin support. Because it's interesting. You're very smart to do. I mean, you're using words like beauty and skin. This is what motivates people. Waistline, your butt, your libido. Great, whatever it takes. But what in within that conversation um, that you think is is sort of helpful because I do think that is a way to reach people. Yes. And so what, what it's really interesting is what led me into writing that book is I'd already been practicing for 12 years as a naturopathic doctor. And I was working in the Waldorf Astoria spa in park city. And I was leading patients through a two week weight loss program. And at the end of the two weeks, my patients, both men and women, they were saying, Dr. Cates, I've lost weight. I feel really good. But what surprises me is my skin. I didn't know my skin could look this good. And they, their skin issues were clearing up. They just had a healthier, more vibrant look to their skin. And 
to me, I was saying, well, of course, your skin is an outer reflection of your overall health. It's your largest organ and it's right on the surface of your body. Of course, it's going to give you these messages. But I realized that that while that's how I grew up, that's actually how I became a naturopathic doctor was I had skin issues as a child. I had eczema and hives and all kinds of sensitive skin and eruptions. And so I, my parents took me to see a lot of different doctors. I had allergic reactions, adverse reactions to every medication. Then they found a holistic practitioner they took me to. And that's when things really turned around for me. But I remember as a kid thinking, why, why did we have to go through all this to be presented with this holistic option? Why didn't the doctors mention this right from the beginning? You know, in a simple kid's mind, I'm like, <laughs> thinking like yeah. this, this helped, so why not? And so it's what led me to that path. So, but then when I was at the Waldorf Astoria and I'm really, I've been living my entire life knowing this, but most people go in to see the dermatologist and they've got 10 minutes to spend with their doctor and they're going to give, be given some sort of topical or they're given an antibiotic or for women, a lot of times they're put on birth control pills and not really looking at what's underneath that. What is causing the skin to have these issues in the first place. Because again, you can go on these medications, but right. they're only meant to be used temporarily. Mm -hmm. Then you go off them, then you're dealing with whatever was underlying that wasn't addressed, plus all the side effects from that medication. Right. And so I what think- What did they, before yeah. you leave that, what did you do specifically? Did you change that really supported, um, you know, dealing with eczema? Because a lot of people- manage skin issues and it's frustrating. What, right. did, what did they do for you? Right. And for me, there was a lot of genetic stuff. So a lot of allergies run in my family. Mm -hmm. And so we have this tendency. And then also, you know, hormone, I, my, my skin is very fickle. I, I've had all kinds of skin issues throughout my life. And so for me, it was finding out that there are certain food triggers, like dairy was a big one for me. We also had mold in our home, mm -hmm. lived on, on a farm and in the basement and, yeah. you know, there was mold. And and then also there were certain treatments they helped me with, with like homeopathy and things. But it was it was a very different approach to than what I was given before. And I, with those conventional doctors, they couldn't figure out what to do with me. And they, they said, you know, you might just have to consider moving because she seems to be allergic to everything in Virginia. So you might just want to move. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So thankfully, you know, as I, you know, as a parent now, I think I'm really grateful that my parents didn't just take that and go, oh, there's nothing else to We're do. Going to Florida. They kept, yeah, yeah, they kept looking for answers. And I, so as a parent, I know sometimes it's, it's hard for us to do that, but keep, keep looking for your kid if they are, if they are struggling. So what are what are some we talked about the sugar and the processed foods so let's slide into adulthood and and um and just kind of you know that's when i don't want to say more stress just different stress because i think it's your perception too right like you're sort of in the real world now you're working you have less time um you're not just flying by with you know great hormones to keep you kind of slender you're having to really manage you know look at your kind of health landscape let's maybe we could just talk about um gut and hormone relationship because sometimes i feel like we can get away with stuff for a while because we haven't had that saturation or that accumulation. And then we get to a certain 
age maybe everybody at different times where you you start to pay the piper a little bit so when you're when you're working with somebody because the gut is so important do do you incorporate that in kind of looking at hormones and how do you do that because these are two really complex areas but they i feel like that's who we are yeah it is extremely important to look at gut health. And that's one of the things I think a lot of times people miss when they're looking at their health issues, they don't go deep enough to the gut. And we know now there's so much research on the gut microbiome and how it impacts our brain, it impacts our hormones, impacts our skin, and this the gut-brain access, the gut-brain-skin access, all of these connections. And we have not only these micro organisms in our gut that help protect our gut health and all these great things, but we have them all over and on and in our bodies. And so the skin microbiome is something that I think a lot of people aren't as aware of. I think gut microbiome is getting a lot of attention, but the uh, skin microbiome is also really important. So our gut microbiome impacts our skin microbiome. And so if our gut, if we have gut dysbiosis, and, and you know, that means uh, imbalance, uh, harmful growth of bacteria, or um, you know, basically we are too much, too little of the right bacteria, then that can create dysbiosis on our skin. And our skin has different microorganisms that live on it, but it is really important for keeping the skin from breaking out from issues like eczema or atopic dermatitis or rosacea, acne, a lot of the common skin issues, as well as how we age and, and the appearance of wrinkles and <laughs> sagging skin and all of those things. So we Sagging skin. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but it isn't, like, that's the thing is, like, I think the beauty industry, they, they go, oh, we'll give you a mask. But I think what you're saying is so important. If we could start to educate young people and go, listen, you want to look good, obviously. I mean, you need to like figure out this. You need to get some influencers on TikTok kind of being like, you know, yogurt, you know, I don't know, like I'm joking, but you know, it's sort of like really getting them to understand that this is, this is when you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 and beyond that how many wrinkles, you know, sagging skin, all of this stuff is still, it's all interconnected and there's ways that you can at least make that better. So I have a friend actually, um, he's pretty incredible, but he works on skin, but he'll do like myofascial release and then make your neck longer. And then all of a sudden it looks like you've been lifted, right? So it's like people forget because we're hunched over, we're on our phones, our neck's looking down. Now we're double chinning it. Now our neck's shorter, it goes on and on. And then all of a sudden, you know, your face is collapsing, right? And, um, but he talks about putting yogurt on the skin for the microbiome he does it a couple times a week where he just like slathers it on and you kind of boost that microbiome and you just do that a couple times a week. And he even talks about the, the conflict of the bacteria in your hair against the bacteria on your face, that sometimes one can be kind of torturing the other. And usually the skin, you can see it, you know, uh, one of my daughters, he's like, oh yeah, that's the hair, you know, torturing the skin. And people just think, the hair is hair and your face skin is something and that they're not at all connected or related. And um, I, I always found that interesting. So what are some, go ahead. So I do want to talk about that because okay. I know people talk about probiotics on the skin. Yeah. It's really. Well, the, lac the uh, lactic 
Yeah, it's okay. lactic acid. Yes. That and and actually it's not that it's providing the bacteria from yogurt. It's right. actually the lactic acid right. because what our skin needs is a mildly acidic environment. It's not so the the microorganisms living on our skin are very different than the ones living in our gut. And in fact, all all different areas of our body, it's diff, there are different microns but around our nose, behind yeah. our ears, on our feet. Yeah, the elbow has a whole long <laughs> they say right that for the dry air areas, uh, elbows and knees, you've got a whole other situation going on. And- yeah, very different. So when I look at skincare and, and you know, putting probiotics in skincare yeah. actually isn't, the, the research isn't there enough. First of all, the FDA doesn't allow live bacteria in skincare products for a reason, right? right? So, and that means good bacteria as well as bad bacteria. So it's trying to protect us from the bad bacteria, but um, so we can't actually have a product that contains live bacteria. And using DIY skincare, I'm a big fan of that. And actually sugar and dairy are great topically on the skin, just not internally. Right. But what it is, is it actually is providing the mild acidity our skin needs. So the research shows that our skin does best with a pH under five. Like it's a, it's a four to 4.5 and then using products in the 4.6 to five pH range is what actually supports our skin. So lactic acid is what's in yogurt and milk that has a lower pH. And that's why it's promoting healthy microorganisms on the skin. Yeah. And you can even see like the moisture level after you do it for a while will change. Like your skin will be more hydrated. It just, I don't know, there was something kind of interesting and and didn't seem overly dangerous. Absolutely. And, and that's why with this, this is one of the reasons why I created my skincare line, mm-hmm. because so many of the products out there have uh, moisturizers and cleansers. They have a pH over 5.5. And then you're stripping the skin. You're creating these imbalances in the skin, not helping support the skin microbiome. So what I did is I created a line that has mild acidity. Mild acidity is in that 4.6 to 5 pH range. So then your skin naturally has that hydration. So the skin being on the surface of our body, one of the biggest things it's doing is protecting us from the outside world. So having that acidity is one of the things that helps protect it. Having the oils in the skin helps the natural oils are part of what provides that barrier function. Having that pH is what helps protect it. So when we do things topically that break that down, increase the pH or strip the oils, Mm -hmm. that's what we're actually creating issues. And then when you add into that, what you're doing from the inside out, and maybe, you know, you've taken antibiotics and killed off some of the good bacteria in your gut. Uh, Maybe you're really stressed, that plays a role into it as well, or not eating very healthy. Those two together that's the combination where we see people with long-term skin issues. And so the sooner you can take care of that yeah. like with your kids or wherever you are, the sooner the better. Well, and you have a book. I mean, it's a, it's a, you're calling it a beauty reset, but the word reset for me is that reminder to people too. Like if you've had to take antibiotics, fine, but there's an opportunity and it might take almost a year, who knows, depending more or less, to, you know, kind of reboot, rebuild your microbiome to recover from that. But I think people, again, that feeling overwhelmed versus, okay, what can I slowly do? It may not happen overnight. It may not happen in a week, but you definitely can participate in, you know, kind of resupporting that if you go, okay, today I'm going to see if I can do this a little bit differently. If someone is listening to this and they, um, they sort of think, you know, 
what are the signs that maybe my hormones are off? And, and does it show up differently for, for males and females? I'm just wondering, because sometimes I, I don't think we know, right? We just think, oh, I'm really tired, or I've just had a lot of work, or I've been in COVID and I'm uninspired or, you know, whatever is going on. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that people will say is, oh, I'm just getting older, or we're even told that. When I was 30 years old, I went in to see my gynecologist and I said, I'm putting weight on my in my midsection. I'm just putting all this weight and I've never had this issue before. Do you think it's from the birth control that I'm on? And she said, honey, you're, you're 30 now. You're not in your 20s anymore. So you're just going to be putting on weight more since you're getting older. And I, I was so upset by that. I was already a naturopathic doctor at the time. So I, of course, went off that hormonal birth control and did a detox and got my hormones back on track and lost that weight. I mean, I'm fitter now than I was um, 49. When I was, you know, 30, I had more of that weight gain. What is that? When you say detox, okay, so the pill, it's easier (laughs) for a young person, right? As far as as a form of contraception, Um, what are alter what are alternatives what I are know. you yeah. know what i mean so I, I get that but let's let's just start there sorry i know i'll get back <laughs> to it but just what for you i mean look you've got daughters what are the in your mind in in sort of health uh levels top to bottom sort of the better the best Yes, absolutely. And I, I actually wasn't even on birth control pill. It was a different form of hormone, hormonal birth control. There are a lot of different hormonal birth control options out there. And they, they, the problem is, is they will, um, you know, the estrogens and things, they're, they're not the same kind our bodies make. And then also birth control pill in particular will suppress testosterone. So then women don't, you know, with low testosterone, you're experiencing low sex drive. Mm -hmm. You could have muscle. That's actually the birth control, right? You just don't want to have sex. That's it. (laughs) You just suppress your testosterone. (laughs) It's really good for marriage. It's really, really convenient to put your daughter on, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No. But that's really not what we want to do, right? Right. We don't want to be suppressing their testosterone because it also eventually leads to muscle loss yeah. and, you know, it can cause, it contribute to the weight gain along with estrogen, synthetic progestin, and, and some of these birth controls too. These create a lot of imbalances with the hormones. And then they also impact, especially birth control pills, negatively impact the gut microbiome. They also create nutritional deficiencies, important B vitamins that help us with managing stress. So you're- but Does you're it block ta- absorption of that stuff? Yeah. So um, it depletes the body of And so then, yeah, so then the question is, okay, so what do we do instead? And I know it's a tough one, but there are non-hormonal forms of birth control. There's like the non-hormonal IUD. There's barrier contraception. Right. There's, But one of the most important ones, I think, for women is to do like more like a fertility awareness. There are different names for it. Understanding your ovulation and when it is. And so tracking your temperature and things like that can help you understand when you're ovulating. Now, it's it's a, it can be a little tricky if you're absolutely not ready to start a family probably good to go ahead and get an IUD or something else. But regardless, if you're not on a hormonal form of birth control, you learn so much about your body. So if you do want to have a family down the road, 
it also will help you prepare. Okay, I'll know right when I'm when I'm ready to have a baby. Yeah. I know when I'm ovulating. And it's very empowering for women to know when that's happening and for your partner to know as well. Well, that, it's uh, Elisa Vitti, uh, Dr. Vitti. She has a, a program called uh, In the Flow, and they will have they have apps, right, to let you know, like even certain times that you should eat a few 250 more calories a day during that certain time. But they'll give the app to the to the partner, and it's like, watch out. <laughs> no, but hey, listen, yeah. the feel good progesterone's down, and like you know that that gatekeeper has left, and uh, now the real you know all the thoughts and feelings are coming out. You know they, but they ha- have these apps that literally both people can have. Yeah, so they know what's going on. I, I don't know why you wouldn't. Everyone's like, oh, it shouldn't be a big deal, or we're gonna mask it or whatever. It's like, no, this is a cycle. And I think right, men kind of go through a 24-hour one where we go through a 30. That was the joke about happy hour, that that's when the testosterone drops at the sort of 4 o'clock. So they, they're done, you know, hunting and killing and working, and so they can have fun. That's how happy hour started. Like, they have their own cycle. They don't have apps for that yet, but that's another story. <laughs> I, we always joke, I have three daughters. We always tell my husband it's the best, you know, it's like, no, you get your period. He's like, oh, okay, I get my period too then. You know, like, we're just like, you don't bleed. But they do. Uh, they have a period every day. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so that makes a lot of sense to me. Like, if you're absolutely not, maybe you're going to, maybe you'll, uh, I don't want to say eat the health uh, risks, but it's sort of an under and over look at, hey, they're 16, they're 19, they're 25, they're not ready, fine. You yeah, know. and I think too- Or an I, or a non-hormonal. I didn't even know that. I thought they always had like, oh, the lighter um, IUDs, but I didn't know they had a completely non-hormonal one. Yes, there is one. That, there are IUDs that have no hormones Amazing. and no progesterone. What some people are confused about is they'll say, oh, well, it's progesterone, so that's you know natural, but it's not progesterone, it's progestin. It's a synthetic form of progesterone, which there have been a lot of negative studies associated with that. There are some risks associated with it. So unfortunately- it's not the best option. So, you know, it's something you have to, it's a very individualized decision. Yeah, you got to calibrate and, it. But when you go off any kind of hormones when with your cycle, you get to understand what your, is going on with your body. Your partner understands. That's what, it's so funny. I did a, a documentary series, a nine-part documentary series, Hormones, Health, and Harmony. And we cover, I interviewed over 50 experts for this. We covered all aspects of women's hormones and how their hormones change in a day and a month and throughout our lives. And I made it for women, but when men watched it, they were like, oh, I, I now I understand more about what you're going through. And and so much of our society has been built around men and about and their hormones and their energy levels yeah. and research as a lot of it has been done on men, not women. Yeah. And so I think it's really important for us to understand these fluctuations and our hormones and for both men and women to understand that. Yeah, I I totally agree. It's funny living with somebody for almost 27 years who's been around a lot of women. What I do love is men that have been around a women enough that they don't now, they haven't been educated, but they have done it through life living and they know. And you watch them and you go, they are so smart. Like they know when to just kind of hang back. You know, they, they, it's really beautiful. Like you see it and you go, oh, how's the macho over there just totally dialing in what, what's going on with all the females around? And that comes through uh, probably hard learning. But um, so let's go back. Let's say you're not 
Because to me, when you say you go to the doctor, you have a little bit of weight around your waist, that seems really young to me. I think thir- like to be told at 30 years old that, oh, you're just, this is the adult sentence, uh, that's, that seems super young to me. I mean, I wouldn't even think that someone would really start talking about that, especially if they didn't have, you know, sort of hor- something going on with their hormones more closer to the end of your 40s. I feel like if you're doing pretty well overall, you won't even start to kind of navigate that conversation till a lot later. So let's say someone male and female, they're in their 20s and 30s. What are the signs? Okay, so we have weight gain, maybe, I don't know, is it low libido? They have a hard time sleeping. What are the things that show up that it's like, hey, you might want to get this checked out? Right. And the biggest difference between men and women is the cycle is a woman's menstrual cycle, obviously. Right. So of course, are, women, are you sure that's it? <laughs> pretty much. Um, and so with that, of course, let's, let's talk about women first, because yeah. that is one of the things is there is a misbelief that women just have PMS. Women have painful periods. Women get hormonal acne. That actually is a myth not every woman gets this. So if you have these symptoms, there are things you can do naturally to help support. And and maybe you have a tendency, a genetic predisposition to this, but there are things you can do. You don't have to just suffer through it because you're a woman. So that's a really important thing. We talk about it in the docuseries. I talk about it in my book. And so just, it, these are signs. Like, acne, the things on your skin, symptoms are a sign that the body's out of balance. They're not just something annoying that we need to get rid of right now by taking an Advil or a birth control pill or, you know, a, mm-hmm. a antibiotic. Yeah. They're actually signs that the body's out of balance. So for women, these are things, pay attention, what's going on with this, especially if it all of a sudden starts up. Why are you suddenly having these issues? And also fertility issues is another one, of course, that women go through. And men go through fertility issues too. They're just different. A lot of it weighs on women, but men contribute to the whole fertility equation. If there's difficulties getting pregnant, we want to look at both the man and the woman and what's going on with both. Especially since you, their testosterone, your testosterone is down, gentlemen. I mean, that's just the way it is. It's just not, you know, it's not just that your underwear are tight. It's like, you know, there's they're fighting it too. Like you talk about all these toxins and this load in the world that we live in. It's just something uh, to, to navigate. I, you know, for me also, I just increasing uh, the right kind of protein at the right time really was a great alleviator. And I think sometimes um, we don't think about how much our food is is medicine it's crazy to me can we can we quickly talk about um hormones in animal protein um because i know like that'll you know girls maybe get their periods earlier things like that um we obviously try to eat well sourced so i always say we you we eat less of it but we it's it's uh you know a well sourced because it's expensive so how do we help people navigate maybe trying to deal with that. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up because we were talking a lot about plants and pesticide residues. But we have to remember that the animals eat the plants. So they get concentrated into the, whatever pesticides are in what they're eating are getting concentrated in their milk. And, uh, you know, it just, that's where it concentrates. And in our bodies, in mammals, it concentrates in sweat and, uh, 
<laughs> mammary glands are modified sweat glands. So mm-hmm. milk condenses. So dairy products in particular are really important to get organic. And do we even, I mean, let's, can we talk yeah. about milk? I mean, I know yeah. I love people. Like, I get my calcium. I'm like, are you crazy? <laughs> I believe in the food pyramid too. It's like, really? You know what I mean? Right. So if you're an adult person or actually just a human being, is there any reason to be drinking? I mean, it's one thing if you, if you milk the cow maybe, and you're getting some of the stuff that's it's, you know, the enzymes or who knows what it's whole, it's raw. Do we really need, and I'm not against, you know, milk, the milk, but it's like people drink milk thinking it's somehow good for them. And then they get used to it. They grow up drinking it. It's comforting. Get a chocolate chip cookie. You're going to milk. You have cereal. You have milk. I mean, do we really need it? Yeah. And as I said, this was one of the biggest things when I was a kid. And I I lived on an organic farm. My parents got, we had a goat that we milked. But it was still a problem for me because it's a common food allergen. It's a common issue for for people. It is, you know, it's anti, I mean, it's pro-inflammatory. So that triggers more inflammatory pathways in the body. And it's a common food that people react to. So it is a problem for a lot of people. There are some people that do well with it. It is one of the most common trigger foods for skin issues that I do see. So it is one that I recommend cutting out to see if it's an issue for you. And then there are certain dairy products that might be easier to tolerate, like butter or ghee even, which is clarified butter. And then also sometimes an unsweetened yogurt or sheep cheese, goat cheese could be. But here's the thing. Part of what I talk about in Natural Beauty Reset, my new book, is a seasonal plan so that you're not eating the same foods every season. Actually, dairy products might be a better thing to eat in the summertime and not the rest of the year because of the cycles that mammals go through when they're lactating and when they're eating the grass and the nutrients are getting into their to their milk. And so if maybe if we ate a little bit at, at certain times of the year, but not all year round, and that really goes for all superfoods or what people consider healthy foods. But dairy is one that I think has gotten this idea that it's a super healthy food, but I I realize that a lot of people are realizing maybe if I go dairy-free for a while, I'll start to see a difference. So it's good to see that. Going back to animal protein, again, these toxins can accumulate in their fat, in their uh, tissues. And so getting organic, getting free range or grass-fed. With grass-fed, what's interesting is it has more of the omega-3s in there. And so it, it can potentially be, you know, fairly healthy. I think people tend to overdo it with protein. They tend to eat too much meat, which isn't necessarily sustainable for our planet and not necessarily particularly healthy. And that's just what I see in the research and what I've seen with my patients. So you got to find the balance of that. But absolutely choosing the cleaner versions is, is essential. Yeah. And it's hard, like you said it earlier, people go on fish because they think, oh, I'm going to do myself a favor. And then they end up with the other, sometimes if it's the wrong kind, uh, other set of issues with uh, high metal and things like that. So it is, it's all a balance and, and, and not overdoing it. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. 
At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at sax.com. Can we can we go to a little bit older now? Like like my age. Let's go to let's go to middle age. As we get older, I think you you said it and I, and I just want to encourage people. Not every it's not a sentence. How your parents are, you know, epigenetics turn things on, turns things off, whatever. Um but I think we also the big narrative about as you get older is like, well, that's just because I'm older. And listen, I have an artificial knee. I've there's I have a you know I've worked out a lot in my life. There is a price for that. But there's even within that, you know, you're always doing new things and doing homework to offset some of the you know wind up in certain directions. But I believe this also about weight because you will see people, men and women, as they get older, men are concerned about libido. A lot, and uh, and obviously circulation and things like that. It's all connected. Uh, and then with women and men, it's the weight. So if someone's listening to this and they have sort of just accepted, like, oh, this is just what happens when you're, you know, premenopausal or perimenopausal or what have you. Um, what would be a sort of a good starting point to say, okay, let's let's really look at what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. So reducing the toxins, the endocrine disrupting chemicals, that is part of the process. We want to reduce our exposure. And then we also want to support our body's detoxification pathways. I kind of alluded to that. That's kind of one of the things that helped me when I was 30 is that when we help support our body's detoxification pathways, when we're exposed to these endocrine disrupting chemicals, our body does a pretty good job of eliminating a lot of them. Some of them store up and are harder to get out. And if you do have lingering symptoms after doing your best to reduce and do things on your own, you can go see a naturopathic physician or a functional medicine doctor, get some testing done to see mm -hmm. maybe if you have high heavy metals stored in your body, or you've got imbalances with your gut microbiome, you have dysbiosis, or you do have hormone, they can do hormone testing to see which exactly is what's exactly going on with your hormones. And then you can do more specific treatments. But there are a lot of things that we can do with our food. One of the things that I talked about already, eating more fiber, getting more fiber in your diet helps our, our bowels, it helps our gut, our gut microbiome. And then we can, you know, do things also with the things that help support our liver, things that boost, um, you know, our glutathione, especially for people who have a, a genetic predisposition to their liver function not working very well. Mm -hmm. We want to do things that really support the liver. But one of the things that I like to do is testing to find out where people are because everyone's different and unique. And so you've got the genetic factors and you have all your lifestyle factors. And then, so what are the, what of these are really playing a role? Where do you want to go first? So starting with healthy, healthy lifestyle. So that's why I wrote Natural Beauty Reset. This is just the basics that everyone can follow and switching it up every season. So it's a seven-day program for each season with food, movement, mindset, and skincare, because our needs change with each of these 
these seasons. And seven days is not enough time for you to, you know, change your life completely, especially if you have a chronic disease. But seven days is enough time to start to see a difference. What people usually notice is their sleep is better, they have more energy, they have more focus. These are some of the things that they notice early on. Maybe their skin is looking a little bit more vibrant, even within seven days. And when you start to see a difference and feel a difference, and it might even be your libido. I mean, I've seen people, they start taking things out and start eating healthier and getting a better night's sleep your balance and you're balancing your hormones yeah. that actually can improve your sex drive. Do you, yeah. So you know how, when you, if someone has access to a naturopath, you can go and they say, okay, we can do tests. So we're, we're going to, at some point, we'll probably check the gut. We'll check the hormones. Again, sometimes this is a daunting undertaking because because our systems are complex, right? There's a lot of moving parts. Is there a baseline test that you like as a starting point for men and women to sort of just start to look under the hood and to know what to ask for? Yeah, absolutely. You can start even with the the healthcare provider that you have, getting a more comprehensive blood work panel, looking at things like your thyroid. Thyroid is still, we haven't really talked about that, but thyroid is really important because it is helping us with our metabolism. It helps us with our energy, helps us with our weight, so many issues. So when you have low thyroid function, tired, constipated, weight gain, hair loss, these are common symptoms that people have, right? And we're seeing more and more hypothyroidism, uh, autoimmune thyroid disease, it goes back a lot to the endocrine disrupting chemicals. Unfortunately, getting exposed to more of these, we're seeing more thyroid disease. So that's something that I think anyone that's having any of those symptoms, which is a lot of people. So for my patients, I usually do a thyroid panel on, on everyone because they usually have at least some of those symptoms. And so, and dry skin is sometimes one of the first warning signs. So the skin can sometimes be an early warning sign. So thyroid test is a good one, but even just getting your blood, a complete blood count, getting a metabolic panel that looks at your blood sugar, your liver and kidney function, your lipid profile. I would add in some lipoprotein so you know, really know your cardiovascular risk. You can also add in some hormones. So so in a basic blood work, you know, a lot of people don't realize that vitamin D is a pro-hormone. We need vitamin D levels and a good level and a good amount in order for our, our hormones to function well. Vitamin D also helps us with our immune system, our skin. So many chronic diseases can, can are associated with low vitamin D levels. So getting a 25-hydroxy vitamin D is an easy thing, especially when we look at seasonally. I will actually change up blood work seasonally. Really important going into fall and winter to see what your vitamin D levels are because hopefully you've built up your store in summertime with, with the sun being closer to you. We t and we typically, it's depending on where you are in the world, but more sun exposure with the sun, the sun on your skin. So, but if your levels are low going into fall and winter, you might have more issues with your hormones, with your immune system. So checking and being proactive with that's really great. And then you can also test on, on blood work 
cortisol, a morning cortisol, which is one of your major adrenal hormones. And if your morning cortisol is on the low end of the normal range or it's below the normal range, you're probably really tired in the morning and having difficulty getting up. So cortisol is a really great one to check. You could look at estrogen, testosterone, progesterone. Now, that being said, if we've got somebody that's aging, they're already getting older, especially women that are close to menopause or postmenopausal, those numbers are going to be low. They're just going to be low. Right. So we may not necessarily need to test those unless a, someone's on bioidentical hormones. You might want to be checking to make sure their levels are in appropriate levels. So let, let's say you and I go into a doctor, a naturopath, and we, well, I'm a little bit older than you are, but we have similar lifestyles. Um, you know, we're both pretty healthy and we're now individually exploring this idea of bioidenticals. You know, for me, the idea of, of kind of sustain, having sustaining energy and being able to perform, meaning train pretty hard. And I'm not trying to kill myself in my training, but I, I work hard. And I think, you know, for me, it's more of an emotional uh, kind of the reason I do it is more because I feel like I uh, put myself in an interesting position by being in in a positive, uncomfortable environment. Like I'm not trying to create drama at my house or pick a fight with someone in the parking lot, but I think that kind of stress, there's something about that that um, I like. You know, it's like, oh, face that stress, don't freak out, great. Maybe you're fortified a little bit. But, you know, what do you, how do you feel if someone comes to you and uh, they wanna explore the bioidentical like, what's the process of knowing, hey, that seems like a really good idea? Because if I'm not doing some of the basic stuff, like the lifestyle part, do you think you can just Band-Aid it with that? Or do you think it's like, hey, you're doing pretty, you're lining up most things and you're not getting hammered every night on Jack Daniels. So let's take a look at that. Where do you, how do you approach that part of it? Because it is there and it's available and we are going to live hopefully a long time. Yeah, I think bioidentical hormone therapy can be a very powerful treatment for people, both men and women. Yeah. I, I don't like it when it's just given without addressing the lifestyle, like you mentioned. I think it's so crucial to address these other areas too. So doing something like what's in my book, creating that healthy foundation, make sure you're eating healthy and that you're moving your body and your and that your digestion is working well that you're not constipated that you're not having a lot of symptoms related that that show that you know you might have a genetic predisposition to having issues so it but most people if they build that healthy foundation, bioidentical hormones can be really helpful. I just don't like people to jump to that, like you said, and use it as like a Band-Aid because it's it's really no better than just using, you know, like Advil or something to, as a Band-Aid. Yeah. I'm going to get still, skinny now. Yeah, Put right. those pellets in my butt. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, you've got to do the other things too. And so, but I do think that it, it, it that's where you want to individualize it, where you and I would be different and what you know, we might want to do with bioidentical hormones and um, looking at, but you and I both already live a very healthy lifestyle. So someone else adding them in comparison, they might want to start with some other changes with their lifestyle and some supportive things like some supplements, some herbs, yeah. other things that can help. Let's talk about that for yeah. uh, one second. So there, there are some interesting products, some herbs and things that can support horm hormone health. 
Um, I can never say the one right, Tungat Ali or what's the one? It's like for, I think it can, for men, for testosterone, it's sort of an interesting one. There's a few. Are there any that you're comfortable kind of sharing about, um, and, and we're not talking for 17-year-olds. You guys don't, you know, they don't need testosterone per se. <laughs> but just things that you think, oh, these are, these, are, you know, sort of have a harmony with people's systems and and, and supporting their hormones. Absolutely. Yes, there are some definitely like maca is one both for men and women that can be helpful, kind of give you an energy boost and uh, it helps with your adrenal function. And so it, that's a good example. It depends on which, which hormone we're talking about, but maca okay. is kind of one across the board that a lot of people benefit from. But so say you're, you're, you've got issues with your adrenals. Then we want to look at something like adaptogenic herbs, mm -hmm. ashwagandha, rhodiola. Those are a couple examples where they're ad adaptogenic because they help you with balancing rather than just putting a band-aid solution on something that's kind of helping your body adapt. And then if we're looking for women for progesterone support, something like chase tree berry, because a lot of women as the early, early on, even in their and women's in their 30s, their progesterone will start start dropping. And that means they're actually perimenopausal. A lot of women don't realize they're starting to go, a lot of women started to go through perimenopause in their 30s. And that's what was happening for me too. So when, uh, you know, we can help support our bodies naturally with that kind of supporting our progesterone. And then, it, you know, there's some fun ones for testosterone. Like I love horny goat weed. I mean, like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what a great one. Who's going to forget the name of that? What's the other one? Yohimbi or whatever? Yeah. I used to tell Laird, you cannot take any Yohimbi. Because I think when he was in his 30s, I was in my 20s, and somebody was like, yeah, Yohimbi. And even the word, I was like, I just think I'm scared altogether of Yohimbi. But, um, okay, well, men love testosterone. What other ones are do we know are supportive of them? Right. Well, I think what we want to realize is more testosterone is not necessarily better. And because Did you tell the, them that? Yeah. So one of the things though, that reason why is it can turn into DHT. So if it goes down the DHT pathway, they're going to experience a hair loss with, um, that's, you know, one thing that certainly men just don't want to have. Also, um, one of the things too, is that, you know, we're looking at, I think it's really great for men to get their levels tested. We can, you know, just looking at your testosterone levels and blood work is a really good indicator. Do you actually really need more testosterone or is there something else going on? Yeah. Right. Because there also can be high stress. If you're highly stressed and your cortisol is really low, your body thinks it's in a state of fight or flight. So what you don't want to do in a state of fight or flight is procreate. <laughs> oh, I think they always want to procreate. <laughs> Come on. What are we talking about? If Biological you're from drive, a tiger. baby. <laughs> right. It's true, though. If you think about wild animals, don't do anything that makes you vulnerable out in the open or in a dangerous time. They're not going to be like, hey, let's have sex. They don't even go to the bathroom in front of because it's vulnerable. Right. So it's an interesting thing. So, okay. So uh, stress is a big one. And I was going to talk to you about that because I, I don't know. Uh, I think there's Transitional times are stressful. So being a teenager, becoming a young adult, becoming a parent, these are very, very stressful times. And I do think you do hit an age sometimes, you know, is it is it mid-age, is it mid-age crisis that has more to do with stress 
kicking your health ass because all of a sudden you're like going, well, I've done this job now. Maybe I'm unfulfilled. I would like, I need a change. There's all kinds of changes that occur once again. And I think it's uncomfortable. So I think uh, that's an important thing to bring up to people. And also not being of acceptance that, hey, I'm, you're not 25. If you're 50 or 60, you're not 25. Like just the way it is. And that's okay too. But I, I think that sometimes we get really weird about age and time and things like that. Instead of celebrating, well, have I acquired new talents or how deep are my relationships? Hey, overall, I'm pretty healthy. I'm going to be grateful for that. I think that also that is a stuff that it's like, well, how much hair? How buff are you? What's, you know, like what's your T cell, you know, what's your count and all this stuff. So I, I want to remind people that also that's a really important part of it. And let me ask you a question. I, I think about this as a female. I'm not going to be having any more children. Just not. I mean, if I adopt, okay. But otherwise, I'm not going to be having more children. I don't need to be, you know, sort of biologically signaling every male that walks by any longer. You know, and I, like I think sometimes we forget that some of these things, you know, hair flipping, shiny hair and dewy skin and all of this, this is also a signal to say I'm healthy and able to procreate. And I think then we get older and we're like, oh, I'm invisible. It's like, no, you're not invisible. You just don't need that exact thing anymore. It doesn't mean you're not attractive and beautiful and all these things. But I think we equate that and we keep doing that. It's like, are you planning on having babies right now? You're 60. You know what I mean? And I, I don't know why we're culturally, it sort of got dropped off like that we're supposed to be that forever. Absolutely. A lot of really good questions in there. I I feel very fortunate and that the women in my family have been really great role models when it comes to aging. They're very intelligent, they're very engaging, and they've built up very rich lives. And so every decade for them seemed to, as I looked at them as I was growing up, like, wow, they're now they're doing this, and now they're doing, now they're getting trained in Pilates. Now they're, my mom is 82, and she rides her horse almost every day. And I'm talking through rivers and over fences and all kinds of things. And she goes into her art studio and she's painting. and and. I realize that most people don't have that kind of example, but I very I, I do want people to know that unfortunately the the role models that we have, we kind of forget that aging can be a very powerful thing. It may not be what you see like in magazines and stuff with the airbrushed models and stuff like that. But it's a very exciting time, I think, to be having more wisdom and really knowing who you are. And I well, I look at wrinkles and I see wisdom and you've been laughing and lo loving life. And mm -hmm. so, and I actually like my wrinkles. I don't want more than other people my right. age. I, mean, I don't want to look older, but I also, I think we need to shift the the way that we think about it. So I'm really glad you're asking that question in that um, the way we look at aging. At the same time, I understand we want that yes 
health, healthy, youthful looking glow. We yeah. just want that. And that's because also it is a sign of, of good health. If we're aging gracefully, it's a really good sign. If we're, you know, our skin is, you know, holding up well, and we haven't been beating it up with yeah. sun exposure and exposure to toxins and smoking and drinking and all of those things, yeah. then, uh, yeah, it's, it's are the way that our collagen maintains itself is an outer reflection of the way that the collagen is holding up in our joints and our gut and all these places that we need it and our hair. But we, yeah, it's, it, we get kind of wrapped up in that forever what this is supposed to look like. Yeah. And I think, listen, our heart things about it, weird and hard. You're like, oh yeah, they are. Let's not bullshit around. But it also is very natural and there is so much you can do to, you know, sort of minimize how brutal it has to be to age. So really quickly, childbirth, birthing years for men and for women, maybe we could just sort of talk about, cause that's a, you know, that's a big toll on your body. What do they say? Top to bottom, it's like three years to really actually recover from pregnancy and nursing if people nurse, um, you know, so there's a lot of hormonal uh, changes obviously occurring and but also even maybe for the men at that time could we sort of visit that time in their life let's say at, right after i will say this about pregnancy um, you're going to pay up front or out of the back so every time you have a ice cream craving or pickles with bagels or whatever if you know the times that you cannot do it would probably be better because I, I always think you're, you're going to pay out then after the baby. It's like you, you, there's, it's not free, all that stuff that we do. Um, obviously when you're nursing, I think you burn an extra thousand calories so you can get away with some stuff. But I just, you know, think it, sort of the more, if we're feeling good and our doctor says it's okay, the more sort of normal we can behave, obviously we're going to slow down the better on our food and things. But are there things that you like for men and for women? Because guys are going through a change as well, maybe if they have a new a new baby. Yeah. So there's there's a, a lot there. I think really important if we're already living a healthy lifestyle, it's just going to be probably an easier transition, especially if you're not having to go off birth control pills and then manage those symptoms. But I think if you do, if you haven't always been living a healthy lifestyle and you're looking to get pregnant, do what you can to give yourself a little bit of a buffer zone in there of, of still using some backup birth control. Like, okay, I know I'm going to want in six months, maybe in a year to start getting, trying. If you can have that time to really get your health back on track, it's going to be an easier time. It's going to be easier to get pregnant. It's, you're going to have an easier pregnancy. Postpartum won't be as hard. And I've just seen this over and over again. And I, it's really discouraging that the the uh, geriatric pregnancy term is still used for women who get pregnant over th at 35 years old and older. And I, it's time to update that because women, so many women are waiting till they're 35 or older to get pregnant. And, and there's lots of research showing that you can, you know, get pregnant, you know, well into your forties and some women are in their early fifties getting pregnant with some help usually. <laughs> but, um, I think we have to realize that when we do our best to, have these healthy lifestyle choices going into it and remembering that 
sugar, you don't just cut back on sugar to lose weight. There's so many issues with eating a high sugar diet, getting a lot of foods in your in your diet that cause blood sugar, especially if you have PCOS or diabetes runs in your family, you have a genetic predisposition, you get your blood work done and your fasting blood sugar is over 85. That's one thing I think a lot of times doctors don't flag it in their system unless it hits over a hundred for fasting blood sugar. But if it's getting up to 85 and over, you wanna start balancing your blood sugar then. Because you go into pregnancy, you're at higher risk for gestational diabetes. You're more likely to develop these problems. Also, women going into pregnancy have um, a higher predisposition to developing thyroid problems. So being proactive before you even get to pregnancy, if you can. If it's like, today I've decided I want to go for it and I'm, you know, 42 and I don't have, you know, I don't know how much longer I have, right? So then I think just being proactive um, is always helpful. But of course, it, you know, if now is the time, go for it. <laughs> and and for men, it's the same thing. It's be as healthy as you can before you're thinking about impregnating your partner. And what about after? Have you seen because it is, it's a very, it's a different dynamic once you, especially when you have a new baby, I think it kind of normalizes or becomes something different once they're kind of bopping around. But right when you have a, a kid, do you have, you know, are there things that you see? Because it's taken a toll on the mom. And then if you're nursing, that's, you know, great, but it's demanding. Um, are there things that you like that support people in, during those times? Yeah, we, we cover a lot of this in the docu-series, Hormones, Health, mm-hmm. and Harmony. We have some of this too because a lot of women stay in the dark about this thinking, oh, I just had a baby. Everything's supposed to be rosy and beautiful and amazing. But so many women struggle with postpartum. So if you understand the changes that your hormones are naturally going through, that will help you if realize it's not just you're crazy, you're not alone. This is, And then if your partner knows too, then they can be there to support you. I do think that there, of course, blood sugar, looking at your insulin, your blood sugar, your thyroid, and also what can you do to help support your feel-good neurotransmitters. One of the really great things that happens with with labor and delivery is we get this boost in oxytocin. Love that hormone oxytocin because that that hormone oxytocin is when we get that release during labor and delivery and also during breastfeeding, it helps us bond with our baby. But if we don't have a very... uh, easy labor and delivery, or we're not able to breastfeed the baby, we miss that opportunity for that oxytocin to kind of counteract the effects of some of the other hormones that are shifting, that drop in our estrogen and drop in progesterone. So that, um, you know, having that oxytocin can be helpful. So other ways that you can boost oxytocin is through touch, through intimacy. And you, you may not be ready to have sex, but that is one of the ways you can increase oh, oxytocin. But even a massage, mm-hmm. a hug, even being around a pet or a, a loved one can actually boost our oxytocin. So looking at other ways that we can help support that. And there are um, sometimes some herbs and nutrients that can help us get through those times. Uh, but a lot of it has to do with our support system, I think is really crucial. And 
nourishing our bodies with the food that we need to restore. So the more we have of that, the faster we can recover physically right. and emotionally. Do you have any books you like about certain supportive herbs that are out there that you think are a really uh, comprehensive resource by any chance? Or people or something where they talk specifically? I know it's... We we talk some about it in the docu-series okay. or some of the experts that I interviewed for the docu-series okay. are going to be really good go-tos for that. It's not really my particular focus. Right. Um, I will say this too, for people who ever, sometimes they get, uh, if you get a, like a hormone headache, you know, maybe occasionally if you're dehydrated or stressed out and then you're going to get your cycle, sometimes you can get a headache with that. I've, I've gotten them a few and actually lavender oil, because you talked about essential oils, weirdly works. You know, if you just chill out for a minute and rub it, a lot of it on your temples and even on the bottom of your feet. So there's so many things we can do that um, give us relief. So doing a second book, why did you do that? I mean, you're seeing patients all the time. So obviously you're hearing things over and over that are, you go, okay, I'm just going to write a book. I would imagine, like, I'm just going to put it all on a book and then maybe this can help more people. What, Absolutely. What yeah. were you hearing that you were like, I'm going to do another, you're going to do a, a book? So many questions about hormones from women. And I I touched on hormones in my first book, Clean Skin from Within, but I didn't go into detail about it. So when I would get up and give a talk or I, my patients would come back to me, that was the biggest thing that I got so many questions about is you mentioned hormones. So what about, cause there's thyroid and there's mm -hmm. sex hormones, there are all these things. And so I wanted to, in part one of the book, really lay out what are some of the root causes that are making us feel the way we feel or look the way we look. So, and, 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 and no judgment, no shame here, but you know, our, our, our skin is an outer reflection of our health, right? Totally. So if, if we've got breakouts and things we want to figure out what's going on there. So part one is really about diving into these, these root causes and that also being hormones, neurotransmitters, go into that and explain in a way that's easier for people to understand because they're so complex, but I really believe in information is power. So if we understand, oh, so when my progesterone is low, that maybe is what's causing me to not be able to sleep at night. And that might be during your cycle, or it might be this, you know, you're going under perimenopause. And when you understand that, it doesn't make you feel like you're crazy. And it doesn't make you feel like you need to go to your doctor and get a sleep medication. You just need some support for your progesterone. Mm -hmm. Or when your cortisol is too high because you're super stressed, and that's not turning off at night. So then your mind is racing and you can't fall asleep. Or maybe it is melatonin. I think a lot of people just turn to melatonin for sleep automatically. But there's so many other things that impact our sleep. So, you know, I started to think about, okay, how can I help explain this to women, help them make the connection? And so that a lot of us, we go in to see our doctor, or not me, but, you yeah. know, most people go in to see their doctor and they have 10 minutes, maybe, if they're lucky. Yeah. And what the doctor usually wants to do is get them walking out with a medication because that's the way they're trained to. And that's what most people want. They want to walk out with Easy, something. Easy, quick. Yeah, fix. But they don't have time to ask all these questions. Like, 
So what about my sleep? And I have this hormonal thing going on or what? So with understanding this, they can go into, women can go into their doctor and say, okay, so I think I might have signs of low thyroid. Can you add that into my blood work? Because I'm really curious. And when you run that TSH, can you also add in free T3 and free T4? And I think for most doctors, they're going to say, oh, sure, you know, I can add that they in. They will? Most of them will. Now, they might push back a little and say, well, your insurance might not cover it. You might have to pay out of pocket for that. So then you have to decide, is my insurance not going to cover that? If your doctor says, no, I'm going to run what I run and you just have to listen to me, it might be time to find a new doctor. Yeah. And that, and I think that's what it is, is that sometimes those environments are intimidating and it is hard to know what to ask and to be to stand up for yourself but I just want to remind people that so I I, I just want to uh, finish with two things one is you know we jo- we were joking about men and testosterone but I do want to encourage men because um, I feel like it's it's funny all the science and performance like when you do performance studies, like fasting, for example, and then you realize like for women, it's actually not that great. So, because it's all the studies on men, it's, and so in one weird way, it's all, they do the studies on men, but then in another way, it's like they get ignored too. Like, right. They just supposed to suck it up and know you're tired and oh, whatever. And oh, you've gained an extra five pounds. And they're not going to be like, I don't like this weight on my waist. That's not what they do. Um, but you realize too that it's important for them to go in and ask to get these tests as well. And it's okay. And it isn't just about like, well, I used to be able to lift this and I can't anymore. You're talking about the whole picture of health. And one of those things is libido. And I think that's always a way more kind of complex thing for women. I don't think naturally we, because we don't have as much testosterone. I mean, I was reading a really interesting article about somebody who was actually making a transition and started taking testosterone and said, I used to look at women and think, oh, what book is she reading? And now I'm like, I just want to have sex with her. You know, like this powerful hormone in this right way, right? But as we get older, what are, because I think libido is a signal of good health. It's not about like, you know, dirty time. It's like, no, this is just a signal about like where we are. When you have women come to you and we'll deal with men separately and say, hey, I just, I'm not interested. Is it, do you find as a lot of it is sort of the internal hormone working or it's like, oh, by the way, like you said, get a new doctor. Maybe you're just not really in a good dynamic. Like, I guess, cause a lot of women have to deal with, are dealing with this. And then the poor partner is like, she never wants to have sex. Yeah. First of all, I always like to know what people's goals are and where they are. <laughs> are they in a relationship? Is their partner also have low libido? Because if I'm working with the woman and I get her libido, help her get her libido up, and then her husband's like, wait, <laughs> now she wants more than I do. So you, you know, and people are- Have in, you ever uh, heard that? Yes. Okay. Actually, I, I think I've heard that one time. <laughs> I have with my patients. So then the, the guy will, you know, start coming in too, because yeah. we've got to get them both yeah. on the same playing field, right? Yeah. So, but it is most often, it is the man like still wants to have yeah. more sex. And is, she's is like, sex, look at the dog's like shy. She's like, sex, he wants to have more sex. It's cute. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, you want to 
have a healthy relationship. Yeah. And it's part of a dynamic of a healthy relationship. We spend a lot of time in the docuseries talking about sex okay. because I think a lot of women are just like, yeah, I don't really need it anymore. And I think that a lot of those women are missing out, realizing that when your sex drive drops, there's a reason for that. And if your partner is wanting it, but you're not willing or able to, you know, to yeah. participate, yeah. that's going to affect your relationship. And that's not what we want. And having a healthy sex drive is, it's just part of being human. And so we want to look at that. And sometimes, though, we have to look at history of trauma. Yeah, and so, big, if, yeah, it's a very and good so point. if a woman has a history that, which is, we'd see a lot more sexual trauma in women than men. Sure. And certainly it happens with sure. men, but a lot more happens with women. So if that's an issue, we have to address that. And we can't even talk about hormones until we address that. But, um, but yeah, then we want to look at what's, what's going on with your hormones. Because again, there are different things. It's not like her, just her testosterone slow. It could be that her cortisol is low and it's suppressing that, that she actually has low estrogen and she has vaginal dryness, so intercourse is painful. It's not fun, yeah. And so we, we've got to address whatever that is. But the good news is there are solutions, but I do hear that a lot. And women my age and older, yeah, just take it or leave it. And I, I want to encourage women to just how, to really, how does your partner feel about that? Is this is really going to be a good thing going forward? And I'll, a lot of my girlfriends are single. And so I'm like, well, I guess yeah. you don't have a partner and you don't really, yeah. you don't you have know. to, like, you don't have to look at that face. that's not getting any, you know, like. But what else is going on? Are you also mm. experiencing some uh, muscle loss, bone loss? Because those can be signs of low testosterone that are not going to help you down the road. Right. Are you noticing deterioration in your cognitive function? Because low estrogen is related to that too. So it's not just about our sex drive. Right. I like how you brought it back to cognitive function. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> but also I think having sex, if you want it, or you're in a place where you have a partner that's willing to you know, participate, it, it's good for your health, is it not? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, <laughs> orgasms increase yeah. oxytocin yeah, and that there you helps go. us bond with our partner. It's a, it makes us feel happy in the world. <laughs> it's a really great hormone. <laughs> Justin, I'm going to let you, if you have any questions as a young male, I'm going to, you have any questions? Questions. Uh, if I ever have kids, I'm, I'm praying for a boy now. <laughs> <laughs> what, what it sounds like is there's really no easy fix. Um, for all of us, it's really just get tested and then just start making small changes. Well, and be self-aware. I think it's yeah. also important to understand what, where are the elements of stress. I think this is another thing is people live very stressful lives and sometimes they don't even realize it because they've grown accustomed to it. So if you have the opportunity to go and see someone like you, you have to really, I would get it all out there because then you have a, a real chance because stress will kick your ass in a whole interesting, invisible way that um, I think is, is really important to acknowledge. Absolutely. So that's why in part two of my book, I, I lay out these seven day resets for food, movement, mindset, and skincare. And really men can follow this too, but this was designed yeah. more for women. But you know, a lot of times women are the decision makers for their family. So if you get the woman 
making healthy meals, then the kids will eat it, the, her partner will eat it. All of those things will kind of come into place. If, if she's exercising, if she's sleeping better, all, all of that will kind of help support the household. Yeah. But certainly the, this is, there's so much power in these daily choices that we make. The foods that we eat will nourish our bodies, providing us with the nutrients we need to support our hormones, to support our gut health, the microbiome, to support our brain health. The the movement, moving our body, you know how important exercise, it helps you feel better mentally, emotionally, and physically. So moving your body in the way that's comfortable and appropriate for you. And I shift these up for seasons because in the wintertime, we're just not typically Mm -mm. is motivated. So you can do more restorative yoga and different things or build a little home gym in your house so that if you don't feel like going to the gym, things like that to kind of mix it up. And then mindset too, to help us shift into these different seasons because we have lower uh, neurotransmitters, feel good neurotransmitters in the winter time. We have um, higher cortisol levels. And so that, those are, we want to make different changes for our stress management. And they really do make a difference. So I don't want people to just feel like, oh, I just have to find a doctor and that will do all these tests and, and, and put me on this plan. There's so much that you can do in these different areas to get started and reducing toxins in your environment and just start shifting over to some of the cleaner things, cleaning products or skincare products. Just making these little steps actually makes a huge difference. And I don't actually see patients much anymore because I really believe that a lot of this foundation is important to get out there. Because if more people just started with that, it would make a huge impact in the health of our society. And then if you're not getting enough relief from that, then you can go see a naturopathic doctor, a functional medicine doctor to get some more testing and get more individualized treatment. But they're still going to want you to start with a healthy foundation. Right. You still have to do your part. Yeah. And that's the, the that's the thing. And what I really appreciate about the uh, Natural Beauty Reset is that you do have it laid out for people. It's clear. There's the food ideas. There's all the ideas laid out. And it is seasonal. I mean, listen, I don't expect to be, I live in a warm place, but I never expect to be quite as fit in December and January as I am probably in August. So I think that's the other thing too, is being connected to how long are your days? What environment are you in? How warm is it? How cold is it? And I I think that that's a really important point. So I, I appreciate, um, just the work that you're putting out there. And Dr. Cates, will you just remind people of all the places that they can find you? Absolutely. Well, the best place they can find me is the spa doctor, the spa doctor.com, T-H-E-S-P-A-D-R.com. Doctor is abbreviated D-R. You can also find us on social media. If you want to get a copy of my book, it's September 13th is when it's out and available in um, all places where books are sold. And if you go to naturalbeautyreset.com, the name of the book.com, and you put in your order number, you we give you a bunch of downloadable bonuses, $500 worth of downloadable bonuses, like workbooks and things to support you in using the book. Or if you get them ahead of time, before you get the book, you can get started. And so, you know, that's a great place. Um, there's also um, the skinquiz.com is a place where people can take a quiz and learn more about their skin and how that might be giving them information about their, their body. And when your show comes out, your book will come out the next day. We tried to line it up. So 
tomorrow. Okay. It'll be. Great. People can get it. And then finally, is there any last just invitation or reminder? Because you've had a lot of contact with people and you've had lots of conversations about this and their health and you've probably heard it all. Is there just, because I feel like we have the information and we get hit over the head with it all the time. And I'm always so curious why it's we're so reluctant or it's so hard for us to make changes or to make, you know, do some of these habits. Do you have any sort of invitations or reminders that you would just like to say to people? Yeah. So great question. I think that sometimes we forget that we're worth it and that we, we are, we beat ourselves up. We come up with excuses. If you first start with your mindset of I'm worth this and you can feel so much better. I don't think people realize how good they can feel that you ideally, we should wake up in the morning feeling refreshed, not have to drink coffee. We can drink coffee because we love it the way it tastes and, but we shouldn't have to rely upon that. We should get up in the morning. We should have energy throughout the day and then be able to fall asleep at night without taking sleep medications or, um, we should have energy. We should have the right kind of sex drive to, to, you know, in the evenings. And that's ideally what we, what we can have. A lot of people are struggling through, they're drinking more caffeine, they're taking sleep medications, they're taking antidepressants, realizing that it doesn't have to be that way and that you are worth it. It is possible. And if you know that, and I really encourage people to watch the documentary series that I created. It's hormoneseries.com is where people can go and sign up for that. Register your spot. It's all online. It's free. And you get to hear from over 50 different experts, not just me, but all the different experts that I interviewed. Uh, It's really empowering and motivating. And it's made for women, but if you're a man, you should watch it too, especially if you have a woman in your life that you love. I mean, your daughter, your mom, your girlfriend, your wife, whatever, your sister, um, watch it for them and help support them on their journey too. Well, Dr. Cates, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you want to learn more, there is a ton of valuable information on my website. Head to the link in the show notes and click gabbyreese.com to find a full breakdown with helpful links to studies, research, books, products, and more. Stay tuned for a bonus episode coming this Thursday where I go deeper on one of the topics that really resonated with me. If you have any questions for my guests or even myself, please send them to at gabbyreese on Instagram. If you feel inspired, please hit the follow button, leave a rating and a comment. It not only helps me, it really helps the show grow and reach new listeners. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.